So if you do have your Bibles, turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We've been looking at the cross, the subject of the cross on Sunday mornings here at the field house. We looked at the cross and God the Father, the cross and God the Son, and the cross and God the Holy Spirit. And um, today I want us to look at the cross and the believer. Look at uh, Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Hmm. Well, I heard about a famous actor being interviewed by one of those uh, reporters that you know, he's showing her through the house. And finally, they get to the bedroom, and uh, the, this famous actor has above his bed a long mirror. I like to start my sermons out with a bang. <laughs> but it's okay, I know where I'm going. I've thought about this. So he said, why do you have this long mirror above your bed? And he said, the, the famous actor said, because when I wake up in the morning, the first person I see, I want it to be somebody that I love and I know loves me. Huh. Well, that should work, right? Just put a big, I mean, put a big mirror, you wake up, and there you are. In fact, I can almost assure you that if you want to see somebody who loves you, just look in the mirror. There they are. It is not a problem for us to love ourselves. Have you noticed that? Just to focus on ourselves. In fact, we're born this way. Have you ever known of a little baby that's just screaming bloody murder and the mother runs into the bedroom to see what on earth is wrong? And the baby says, Hey, it's not me. It's nothing wrong with me. I'm just concerned about you, mother. You look tired. I've been worried about you. We're not born that way, are we? It's about us. We love us. We call this being self-centered. And it's natural. And here's what Jesus calls us to. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Boy, that cuts right across the grain. What is taking up the cross? Well, it basically means that yourself is no longer the center of your life, but Jesus is the Lord of life. It means that you don't uh, make decisions based on what is good for you, but you make them based on what is pleasing to Him. Lordship. Now, when Jesus tells people this, 
in Luke 9.23, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Look at chapter 9, verse 51. The days drew near for him to be taken up, and he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. He's going to go to Jerusalem there. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be spit upon. He's going to be crucified and buried. He's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will pray, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, this is not my preference. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die for the sins of mankind. Nonetheless, he says, Luke twenty-two forty-two, not my will, thine be done. Now that is when you take your will and subject it to God's will. That is taking up the cross. Not my will, but thine be done. It cuts right across the will. John eight twenty nine. why Jesus went to the cross, he said, I always please the Father. Or John, or Romans 15, verse 3, by the Apostle Paul wrote, even Christ did not please himself. So he calls us to this life that is the opposite of our very nature and our own preferences. In the same way, we shift our allegiance to self, to Jesus, just as Jesus gave his full allegiance to the Father. As the Savior pleased the Father, so his children are to please the Son. We follow him. Now, does this make Christianity gloom and doom? I mean, wow, is this like Christianity's worse than Judaism? Uh, life of self-denial? Do we all go to a monastery and lock ourselves up and do nothing happily? Well, listen at this verse, Hebrews 12:2. We should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. See, that we got to look at the end of things. We do this all the time, actually. In surgery. Why do you have surgery? Surgery is painful. Why have surgery? Because of the joy set before you. Permanent health, you're better off. Uh, education, why do you go to school? Because it's so, it's so exhausting and it's uh, uh, expensive and, and yet for the joy set before you, it's better off. We always exchange the temporary for the permanent. Ha uh, superficial happiness for, for great, deeper joy. We always do that. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm calling you to the cross, not because the, the grave is the end, but because it's the door. It's the door to eternity. It's the door to true blessing. It's the door to true joy. I'm calling you 
When he calls us to the cross, he's calling us to joy. I heard about a lady who hadn't seen her friend for about 10 years and they came across one another in a grocery store and a conversation went something like this. She said, oh, I got married since we last met. Her friend said, oh, that's good. She said, well, I don't know about that because he's twice as old as I am. She said, oh, that's bad. She said, well, I don't know about that because he's worth millions. She said, oh, that's good. Well, I don't know about that because he won't give me a dime. Oh, that's bad. She said, well, I don't know about that because he did build me a million dollar house. She said, oh, that's good. She said, well, I don't know about that because it burned down last week. She said, oh, that's bad. The lady said, well, I don't know about that because he was in it. <laughs> See, you got to wait to the end of the story. The joy set before him. There's something on the other end of the cross. The cross is not the final chapter, it's just the introduction. And it's not just here. I mean, it, it does include this. Uh, let me put this verse up for you. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Listen, listen to this verse, those of you who think Christianity is a drag. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Peter said to him, to his disciples said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. We've taken up the cross, followed you, everything. Jesus said, verse 29, Everyone who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields and farms and for me and the gospel will receive a hundredfold in this present age. Now, that's his promise. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with that persecutions... And then in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus made the promise, do you think you're losing when you come to the cross and take it up daily and follow me? Do you think that makes you a loser? I promise you a hundredfold return. Riches you hadn't considered. Look at the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. He came to Jesus and he had all these riches. He said, Lord, what must I do to follow you, to have eternal life and be everything I want to do? And Jesus said, take all your money, because he knew he had a problem with covetousness. So he said, take all your money, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And uh, the rich young ruler looked at him and he was very sad. And he went away. Because he had great riches. And you might think, okay, well, he got to keep his money. But what did he miss in this present age? Can you imagine sitting on a hillside in Galilee listening to the Son of God teach about truth? 
He missed that. Can you imagine being present with the uh, Jesus invitation, come and follow me, be one of my apostles, be one of my disciples? What if he had been in the boat when Jesus comes walking on the water in the stormy sea? He could have been there. <laughs> but he missed that. What if he was at the tomb when Lazarus was dead in John 11 and had been wrapped in, in uh, all of the grave clothes and on the third or fourth day Jesus walked up and called his name and called Lazarus out of the tomb? The rich young ruler missed that. Can you imagine how much he missed? I mean, you could, but he's got his money. You can count your cash. But living and the supernatural and the miraculous and the God factor of life has been ruled out. And all you have is what you've got in your investment. Plus, in, he says, in, in not only in this present age, but in the age to come, eternal life. Eternal life. How much that mean? One man was telling about getting phone calls from commodities brokers and they were trying to sell him gold and they said, man, you need to invest in gold right now because that's where that's where money is. That's where you can make your money. Buy gold. And uh, what, he, what the broker didn't know is the man had cancer. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm not really that interested in gold right now. He said, well, if you're not interested in gold, let me sell you some silver, because silver is a great future. It's a great future. And the man said, you know, I'm not really interested in the price of gold or silver. I've got cancer. What does it, what does it mean to be rich? It's not when you're interested in gold and silver. It is when that even... Death itself and the little fleeting breath we call life does not have to close in despair. It means there's resurrection and a hope. That's the rich man. There's your rich man. Very quickly, drop down in chapter 9, and I want to show you three guys who came to Jesus. I'm just going to give you these, and we're going to have the band come back up. But let me give you these three before we close this morning. Luke 9, verse 57 through 62. Three guys come to Jesus and want to follow him, but they each turn back because of different reasons. These three guys give you the three main hindrances to following Jesus and taking up our cross. Let me give this to you. First of all, verse 57. As they were going along the road, that is the road to Jerusalem, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 58, And Jesus said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You need to know what you're getting into. If you follow me, it will be personal discomfort. To follow Jesus will cost you some personal luxuries and comforts of life. If you're going to follow me, I have nowhere to lay my head tonight. Where are you going to sleep? Well, you don't have a house we're all going to go to with the TV and remote? You don't have Motel 8 where you're headed? No, there's a cross at the end of this road. Personal comfort. That is, inconveniences 
even exhausting labor, expensive investments in the kingdom, personal comforts. He says, I will follow you. And Jesus said, here's what you need to know. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. It's going to cost you in personal comforts. Verse 59 gives you a second one. This is a second major hindrance to following Jesus. Verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. You know, what would be wrong with that? And Jesus said, let the dead, that is the spiritually dead, bury their own dead. But as for you, go and preach the kingdom. Uh, It's kind of harsh, isn't it? But what Jesus is saying is that he detected something in this man. And I, I didn't understand this one until I was thinking about this one day and I realized that they didn't bury like we do where they wait three or four days. Usually they bury the same day. And uh, if you... Uh, so this guy's father was not dead. If he was, he'd have been at the funeral. When he says, Lord, I want to follow you, but, but first I need to take care of the final demise of my father. Because, see, that's when the inheritance is split. That's when you get your money. He didn't want to give up his inheritance. He didn't want to give up financial security. He's got a right to part of the farm. And Jesus said, let the spiritually dead bury the dead. You go preach the kingdom. In other words, the, the second one is financial security. Financial security. Then there's a third one. Verse 61 and 2. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow, looking back, continually looking back is the idea, is, is not adjusted to the kingdom. Is not fitted to the kingdom. Now, this third one is natural affections. Let me just... Hug and kiss my family one more time. But Jesus sensed in him that there was too much family connection for him to ever truly follow. Pastor Jim Dennison in Dallas was visiting Malaysia, mission trip in Malaysia, where they were baptizing some Malaysians, and there's still quite a bit of hostility in Malaysia to Christianity. And in the baptism, which was in this kind of old warehouse, and they were baptizing in a big tank, and uh, he noticed that several, especially the younger people, had luggage, had these old leather luggage pieces, just stuffed with clothes. And as they were being baptized, the pastor asked the missionary, he said, why did they bring their luggage? And the missionary said, because those young people Their families told them that if they become Christians and they get baptized, never return home again. So they had to pack their stuff and bring their luggage to their baptism. Natural affections. Those who put their hand to the kingdom, to the plow, and look back are not fitted to the kingdom. Personal comforts, financial security, natural affections. Those are the three things that hinder us. Former president of Indonesia was here being interviewed, and for some reason uh, he was asked a surprising question. Uh, 
this head of state called on a reporter and she said, what do you love? Just out of the blue, what do you love? She might have meant, what do you love about the country, America? What do you love about you know, Washington? And he surprisingly answered her candidly. He said, what do I love? He said, well, I love my country. I love women. Most of all, I love myself. Don't we all? And into that whole mass of self-focused, uh, sometimes self-absorbed people, Jesus shows up with a message that cuts right through the middle. Follow me. Take up your cross. Don't let personal discomforts and financial security and natural affections be placed in priority over my call of discipleship. Love me above all. That is what he calls us to.